0: At this stage of the retreat, it's really beautiful to just sit here quietly together. Isn't it a gift to be in a circle? So tonight, uh, I'm going to offer two different guided exercises that are really different from each other, seemingly unconnected to each other, but of course the Underpinning is that they're both, they both have the same ground, Prajnaparamita. And they both have the same intention, which is to help us relax with ourselves as it is. But they're very different. So um, many of you have heard a story, it's a, a well known true story. It happened about eight years ago in Seattle at the Special Olympics a well-known story not everybody's going oh yeah that story (laughs) um the kids were lined up for the 50 yard dash the stadium was full and the gun went off and the kids started running and one of them fell down and hurt her knee and started crying and one by one before they ever got to the finish line each one of the kids in the race hurt her and stopped And came back to the little girl who was hurt are you okay and kissed Mm -hmm. her knee and they all sat down they helped her get up and uh, they received a standing ovation the whole audience clapped for them and it's so so simple but so actually not so I mean it's completely simple but we who think they're slow and we're the ones who have it together (laughs) can't seem to live like that can we? That, so, but when the all of us ordinary people saw the slow people expressing such basic goodness that's just compassion, they just gave them a standing ovation. Because the human heart completely recognizes and loves love and compassion. And that was just basic compassion. Compassion is that capacity of our heart... Or the capacity that exists to, to feel and to care for the suffering of another or of ourself. Compassion, the thing the world needs. What the world needs. Some of you aren't old enough to remember that song. Some of you are. Love, sweet love. So, you know, we've all felt compassion. Um, different times, different degrees. Often, very often, for women it's easier for us to feel compassion for the person next to us who might be weeping or for a complete utter stranger on the other side of the world than for ourselves. oftentimes we 're the last one who who we give compassion to um, and in in this group this morning, and in the, certainly in the small groups, we hear about. A lot of very beautiful openings that people are having, but we also hear about some enormous sufferings that come. And often it's the same woman who has the big opening and, and then the big suffering. It's that's the way practice goes. So, um, you know, there's the suffering of <laughs> that we I mentioned the other night, grasping at prajnaparamita. I think you understand what I'm talking about now. The suffering of seeing all these incredible women Buddhists sitting here going, they're all getting it, whatever it is, they're getting it, and I'm getting a headache, you know, I'm, I'm just not getting it, and then there's this suffering, what's wrong with me, and I'll never get it, and I don't understand it, and I shouldn't be here, or maybe I should, you know, there's a certain kind of suffering that this particular retreat can stir up. Um, and then there is, from the deep silence, and from the power of the practice, it can expose not only our most sublimeness, but it can also expose all kind of fears and wounds and pains. And all of that can be at times really difficult. And um, I know that mo- many of you know what I'm talking about. In fact, raise your hand if at some point during this retreat you've experienced some form of suffering. <laughs> Thank you. The reason I said that is that people actually come to the group and they say this thing, they go, I'm the only one that's, you know, not, you know that's not just sitting there in an, you know, perfect luminosity. <laughs> my, this wonderful teacher, my teacher of Dzogchen, Sokni Rinpoche, who I've been studying with for many years um, and who I love dearly, once, not once, many times, told us, um, liberate or transform. So if you're suffering, first practice looking directly and see if the suffering can self-liberate, which is what sultram has been teaching. He said, if it doesn't self-liberate, then use transformational practice, of which there is this huge variety of skillful means. Last night, that's why Sultram offered... Feeding the demons, that's a brilliant uh, skillful means. It's a brilliant transformational practice. And um, there are many practices for us to call on if something doesn't just liberate. Not everything does just liberate, does it? (laughs) Anybody notice that? (laughs) Maybe for some people it does. (laughs) Yeah. So tonight... um, Actually, this morning, someone asked, is there any practice that helps us um, feel compassion for ourselves? She said, I felt compassion in the feeding the demon. Is there other practice? And Sultan mentioned the Tunglen. And we have, in our lineage, a beautiful practice of compassion. So I want to just do a little bit of offering that to you as a guided experience now, so that you have it in your little basket of skillful means in the event that something doesn't self-liberate. So you can, this is, if you want, an eyes closed, you can always practice with your eyes open, but... Please. Close. It's one or the other. It doesn't matter. I mean, eyes open or closed. Open or closed. Whatever you feel most comfortable with. So allow your attention to drop in to your heart center, center of your chest. Relax. Just take a couple of breaths that you imagine can breathe right in through the skin in your chest and go in and tenderly touch your heart. Inhale in, breath into the heart, breath out. Just dropping down in the heart, Allowing your heart to remember the possibility of the great kindness, of the great compassion that's always here. Even when we believe we're somehow separate. So we just remember that in our heart. And then allow yourself to recall, maybe present now or you might be recalling some form of struggle or suffering or judgment that you may be working with or have been working with recently. And rather than running from that, or judging yourself for it, what if you open your heart in great compassion to this human woman, to this particular struggle? great compassion to myself. To this place that seems so stuck or so solid. Great kindness. Sometimes it helps to imagine being embraced. held in the great embrace of the heart of compassion. Sometimes it seems like the the kindness and the compassion just bounces off or or can't come in. Send the compassion right to that wall. Right to that place that doesn't believe she's worthy or says, I can't feel this. Mercy and compassion to any place, anywhere that we feel separate from the vast heart. And see what it's like to relax inside. And finally, allow yourself to be touched by compassion. Finally, allow the struggle, the suffering, the not enough self to be loved just as she is this compassion has no agenda no judgment it just invites you home Tender compassion. Feel your body relax. Consider actually letting this in. fill you the energy of compassion touch every part of your body and mind relax inside of it just as you are finely loved, held. The I don't get it self. Compassion on that way we treat ourselves. compassion to this precious one that is yourself compassion to this humanness this vulnerable humanness this imperfect humanness Compassion to where you're afraid. Great mercy and compassion to the knots of fear in the body and mind. And sometimes compassion softens us, we can relax like a little baby who got picked up from a nightmare just relax in the embrace of the great mother heart of infinite compassion So compassion can relax and melt your body and mind, can fill your whole body, mind, until compassion is filling and glowing out of you, glowing, shining out of you, And you look out on the world, and compassion shines out in all directions. Compassion to any being anywhere that's frightened or suffering. Compassion expands and extends. Compassion to any being anywhere that feels separate from the great truth. seeing your body as compassion expands and extends in all direction great compassion to all beings notice that the compassion has no boundaries and is inseparable from vast space, relaxing in the vast space of infinite compassion. Compassion excludes no one for any reason, not ourselves, not even the perpetrator. Compassion to any being that suffers. Resting in the vast open spaciousness of infinite compassion. is so simple. It's right, right, always here. Compassion is the realization, expression of Prajnaparamita. Compassion is also a stairway into Prajnaparamita. One of our teachers said, um, he's teaching here at Spirit Rock, he said, many students are baffled by the mystery of emptiness it's so impossible to figure out but he said almost every student can understand and experience compassion so use compassion because it is part of it's an expression of the absolute it comes from and it can go to so it's a it's a beautiful practice you can't overdose on compassion so does anyone want to share anything that you noticed um, doing that practice? Yes. I noticed that the most compassionate thing I could do for my body is to move. Mm-hmm. in about five minutes people are going to think i paid you to say that (laughs) good compassionate thing the most compassionate thing i could do is move well someone after my own heart anything else about anything you noticed yes chelsea Let me ask you. Is that okay? Is it okay? Uh, Yes. Can I tell them how old you are, Chelsea? Is that okay? Chelsea's 19. And she's here receiving all these teachings. And so she has these fabulous experiences. But then, remember how we were at 19? Nowhere near this. But she'll then doubt, is that okay? Is it okay that I feel infinite love and grounded to the... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Please to remind us. Thank you so much. Anyone else about. Yes, Diana. Um, I felt in a thing I know and hear all the time, but I never
1: felt this before that um the way to feel great compassion for others is to feel great compassion for your own.
0: There it is. It's so true once the Dalai Lama in the early years that the Dalai Lama and the other Lamas were coming before they got to know the American psyche you know um, they would hear the reports of people saying I, I hate myself in a meditation I'm in so much suffering because I judge myself I hate and they, and they would be literally sitting the, the, the Lama or the Dalai Lama their head would be going like that and they'd go back and forth with the translator back and forth you know And finally, you know, the Dalai Lama would just go, that's wrong view. You know, know, like, this doesn't make sense. In our culture, we don't even have a word for this. But yet it's our epidemic. And then he went on to explain the word compassion to the Tibetan mind in the translation. It has no comprehension that that word doesn't include self. It's not even imaginable. It's like ocean not including water or something so that that we have to le- we can feel compassion and send billions of dollars to katrina or you know to tsunami but hate ourselves. but for that tibetan psychology it was like they had to explain that the word actually includes ourself and that when we do the commitment to awaken for all beings or to have compassion for all beings the one of the all beings <laughs> 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 you know it's this one that. And that any, that any aversion in any direction, any contraction, is just the c- conditioning of more even to ourself. But we have a bizarre twist that thinks, if I beat myself up, I'm somehow better for this, or I'll get better. And it, it never, ever, of course, turns better. <laughs> so it doesn't work. We all know it, so we might as well admit it and just try compassion, try love. Did you want to say something?
1: Sure. Um, I have an ongoing issue with compassion, I guess. Um, because we talk about it so much, and I really strive for it. And I read once, I think Chitter, and said that it, it's going to feel some different than what we expect. And a lot of times I come up against a lot of um, frustration, that I'm not doing really enough, or um, like I get into the sort of idiot compassion, or I'm just hitting people, or... I feel like, why can't we just stop suffering, like frustration, and not just oh, relax. <laughs> so when I do that, and there was a, a beginning time when we were doing that exercise where I was just like, blocked, like, okay, here's here's my wall of compassion, this word that I've so hard for, and I just can't get into the feel of it. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, like, I'm very visual, and so I can just think light. like the very first phase of tonglen Glen really helps me yeah, um, but then if I try to go farther than just the light, then it's just like blah.
0: What happened as you went on in this compassion? You said at first there was the wall. Then what happened?
1: Then the... I did the light thing. And okay, so I just flooded my body with light, and then I'm very visual, and so all this stuff started happening. And I actually went through a little mini demon exercise. Hmm. Um,
0: in the demon exercise, did you have any points that were, in some way, an expression of care about suffering?
1: Um, well, all the tightness and tension was in my heart. Yeah. And so it felt good just to get it out. And yeah. I, and then I fed that. Yeah. Um, so it felt better. Good. But I still feel like I have an issue connecting compassion, with the yeah. word, and the strive.
0: The effort to have compassion. Right. As Perfect. soon as you have the effort to it, it's like I can't, I shouldn't, can't, or I don't. First of all, what's most important in her sharing? Remember, liberate or transform. If you have a practice that that transforms, like for her, the feeding the demon is what did it. You use what works. You keep. You don't keep doing a practice that um, strengthens the resistance and the feeling I am bad and I can't do it. Go towards what opens the way in, if you're working with these qualities of heart. So that's one thing. Trust that. And the continued practice of whether it's Prajaparmita or working with the Feeding the Demons or mindfulness will naturally result in the natural development of compassion. It will sneak up on you. And I can actually tell just by looking at you, there's, you're not lacking in compassion. I know you know that even for the whole world, right? So it's just that thing that you feel, really, for a total stranger. Some woman, if I said this woman right here is just in so much pain and she just lost someone she loves, and you care for that person. So do you know, what is it that would prevent that exact kind of kindness just to come to me? Mm. Um,
1: I'm feeling all choked up because I think what it is is my inability to fix
0: it. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Deep breath. Compassion for that. All of us, compassion for what it is to live in this world with this much suffering that we can't fix. Compassion for that. In other words, can I open my heart to that I can't fix, I can't take away your suffering? So, thank you. I just saw your heart open a little so remember I promised you two different exercises that were extremely different. So we did one of them. The other one is for... What's your name again? Pardon? What's your name again? Jillian. Jillian. So I'll start with this reading. A little something to read. So this is a story, a um, true story. This, a man uh, yeah. went... With a group of American musicians, a small group of folk musicians to Gambia and they prever- they they performed um, free concerts they went on a cargo boat up and down the Gambia River and they would go to the a small village and they would go um, meet the chief and sort of show them the instruments or whatever you know to communicate and then they'd go under a large tree and they'd start playing their, their folk songs, like Oh Susanna or whatever, <laughs> very American stuff. And um, the f- first the children would come and because they were curious, who are these strange-looking people with that funny-looking skin, and that white skin? And then, because um, they were way out there, and they haven't seen a lot of these strange-looking Western people. And then once the children were all around listening to the music then the rest of the people, and then finally the elders would come. And by the end, it says, that all the people would be singing and laughing and dancing and so appreciating them that they came such a long, long way to play them their music from another country. So then it says, um, on one of these trips, on the boat, they went on this cargo boat, we met a remarkable woman from Sweden who was traveling up the river. Her name was Mary Lindberg. Each year she saved up her money and made a trip to the leper colony at Bangsang to bring supplies to the lepers who lived there at the colony. Before long, we'd agreed to do a concert at the leper colony. So when our boat docked at Bensang, we struck up conversations uh, through our interpreter with the colony's residents, and we decided to begin the, co- the concert at once. A large crowd assembled. There was electricity in the air. Soon after we ripped into our first number, I noticed an old man with no hands and no feet, only stumps, dragging himself towards us across the sand. He stood himself up in the center of the circle, looked right at us, and smiled with joy, and then he started to dance. He moved like no other person I've ever seen, as if on stilts, waving his thin arms, turning his fine head toward the light, spinning in circles, Tears streamed down my face to see someone so carefree, so happy. Elliot, our leader and guitar player, was so overcome with emotion that he put down his guitar and ran out to dance with the man. I will never forget the sight of the two of them twirling together. The man with no hands and no feet turned out to be the village chief. After the concert, he invited me to come and have a cigarette with him on the large rock in the field. I don't smoke, but I couldn't turn him down. <laughs> conversation, conversation was difficult, but passing the cigarette back and forth between my hands and his stumps was a communion of the highest sort. The chief's inner light shone out of his hear, clear eyes like a beacon of truth, and in his tribal tongue he kept thanking the great spirit for our visit for his life, and for all the good things that have been given to him. So, um, you might be thinking, now why is she reading about an African man at a women's retreat about Prajna paramita?" I mean, connect the dots here. <laughs> um, why would I? Can you, do you already have... Why would I have read that? Anybody want to stab at that? Maybe it's just so obvious. Who was dancing him? What was, what was shining out of him? What was, what was lighting up his eyes? Regardless of his circumstances. Yeah, she got the answer, right? <laughs> yeah. What well, made him so happy, huh? Care- the most carefree happy, you know, that that he had seen. So grateful for his life. The thing about this beautiful little man, whoever he is and wherever he is, it's a true story, is that we have this tiny snapshot of him. So he's like a dream fragment or a little mythic character, so we can fill him in, you know, I can anyway. Um, Remember that the dynamic quality of primordial wisdom is the radiance, remember that? So could he be, could it be that he was free enough of fixation, that he was the radiance dancing, that he was the luminosity dancing? Is that what could be shining from him? Could he be someone who at least while he was dancing was experiencing what was called this morning the joy of embodiment. So so much so that the other people saw him and jumped off and danced, you know, with him. Could that be? Could be. So we don't really know, but we can imagine into that and and we can only imagine what would it be to be a leper. We can't really imagine what, it, in a, what it's like to live... Some people here know to live with a very serious illness. What would it be like to live with no hands and no feet? How much pain does he live with? Do they live in poverty? I'll bet they do. At the end of the long boat on the Gambia River, they definitely live in isolation from society. Did he have a family that he could no longer support? We don't know, but we did know he ended up with no arms and no legs and ended up dancing and shining and happy and grateful. How did he do that? We don't know. But most we do know that most people in that kind of situation aren't happy and radiant and shining. We know that. So there was something unique and somehow he took some journey. He went on some process where he surrendered whoever he thought he was supposed to turn out to be, because believe me, when he was a kid growing up, that wasn't his dream, to end up being with no hands and no feet in leprosy. Somehow he let go of how it's supposed to be and let go enough that something came alive in him. Something became free in in him for, for the moment, for the dancing, we don't know. He was the carefree, shining radiance so I think obviously I'm telling his story he inspires me inspired me when I heard it because it says if he can do that under these conditions we can we can see where our graspings are where we're holding back we can let go we can there's a there's an inner natural joy radiance luminosity that is in every one of us. what we're made of we can let go enough to let that live in us. So that's what he, he's inspiring in me. So I'd like you just, we're going to do another little exercise and then we're going to move a little. So um, please close your eyes for just a moment. He's using the African village chief as a teacher for a moment and that he must have let go of various ideas, identities, images. So think for a moment of um, some body image that you often hold. You, you You could start with that famous phrase, I am and then see if what comes like, I am too big, too small. I am best. I am prettier, I am uglier. Whatever, a body image. Just a concept, a belief. Don't believe it, just notice it. Okay, let's put that over to the side. Now think of a rule that you identify with. Like I am a student or teacher, partner. Just some role that you identify with seems so very real. And now think of you can let you can let that role go over to the side for a minute. And now think of some judgment that you have about yourself. I fill in the blanks. It could be I'm super good, I'm smarter than everybody, or it could be I'm not as good. It's a judgment. Judgment. So you can open your eyes, and we're going to do some really simple yogini play for a minute, movement. And if there's some people who have uh, injury or something, if there's something like that, you can do this sitting down as well. But if, if you're not injured, go ahead and stand up and step away from um, the... You know, move to where you have a little space. You can close your eyes and turn off the lights here. Oh, got really dark. Let your eyes close and start by just taking a few slow, deep breaths, some stretches. yourself move how you would like to move. That, they, that there's many layers of covering on you like layers of clothes or armor they're, they're, maybe they're tight and constricting you these layers of judgments and roles and shoulds. so for a moment Like you're covered and burdened and layered a little tight. See what that's like. Like inside the cocoon still. Connect with that a little bit. Then imagine that one of these layers that's sort of tight or heavy or constricting is this is a layer like a heavy coat or heavy layer of peanut butter or something that is an idea of your body image and breathing moving and stretching, imagine that you can squirm out, that you can just take that off like like a layer of old clothes, just for the time being, that you just move out of that idea, that you let it go. Notice now another layer, that role that you identify with somehow inside or around your body, it wraps around you in some kind of tight way, uncurl, uncover, unveil from that role for just the next few minutes. What if I let that go for now? Just letting go of the identity within. and as you stretch and as you uncurl and unwind remember that judgment that judgment you have about yourself breathe and move as though for the next five minutes you could just step out of that just keep moving if you want to move in bigger motions you can let your eyes open although not nobody's looking at you keep moving out of any place that says I can't so what if inside
1: there was a radiant aliveness
0: been in a straight jacket and just got out. What if this radiance just started moving as she wishes? She may be still, she may be flowing, she may be moving in any way. Just relax move in ways you've never ever moved before completely let go of your head even more, let it go, breathe it out, what if there is actually a sacred aliveness, what if you unleashed luminosity, she was finally free to just move. to feel quiet and it's okay to feel complete delight the joy of embodiment it's okay to let go and be foolish and be a dakini and relax. It may be floppy, it may be like a... in your body that's still hiding how can you move to set her free radiance emanating through every part luminosity dancing your belly. Feel your feet. And just rest in open space. Open body, open mind, open space. Imaho. Isn't it marvelous? Okay, thank you.